Yeah. Money beats. Has better and tragic. Hello and welcome to yeah. episode number two of The Right Hash. You could call this Attack of the Clones, The Right Hash style. Um, I'm trying to think of some other sequels. I mean, we're going to have way more than two episodes for you, but this is episode two. I'm Luke Ned Carney alongside Alex Thompson. Not really alongside. We're recording this show remotely, but we might as well be next to each other because, Alex, I can hear you as if you are sitting next to me. We're alongside in spirit, my friend. How's it going, everybody? It's going well for me, at least. I can't speak for everybody, but I, I want to uh, want to first shout you out. Um, this new mic that we've got for uh, for the right hash is freaking awesome. I hope the sound quality is better than the last uh, the last episode that we were kind of just recording au natural. Um, now we actually kind of look like we know what we're doing, so we're off on a, off on the right foot. Yeah, uh, Luke and I are using the same microphone now, so hopefully it sounds like we're you know at least relatively maybe in the same room. I know we had some. Uh, not audio issues, but you could tell that I was using a different microphone than Luke. So hopefully this uh, creates the illusion of uh, being in the same room, even though we are some hours away. Yeah, let, let me tell you, after a year of doing remote broad, broadcasts with Learfield for my, you know, my, my quote unquote regular job, I, I never want to have to deal with that again, except if I'm doing the right hash, which we are doing right now. So, of course, of course. Yeah. And there's there's no place I'd rather be on this beautiful Wednesday night with no sports on except for, I guess, Cardinals-Dodgers. Yeah, it's a, it's a good night. We try to record on Tuesdays or Wednesdays because this being football season, there's football on almost all nights of the week uh, otherwise. But we're actually about to jump into that point of the season. Maybe it's like a few weeks away still, but you're going to have Maction and the Fun Belt, and pretty soon there's going to be football on every night. That, and then we'll also have baseball and uh, hockey season's right around the corner, so is basketball season, so... We're almost right in that Venn diagram where everybody's playing for like the same two weeks. Yeah, that's why October is so great. Um, and before we jump too deep into the sports talk, this is a sports talk show, but we do want to shout out Slim Sweets down in Wadesboro, North Carolina, uh, for their support of our program here. The mission of Slim Sweets is to produce top quality homemade bakery products in an environment that is safe, clean, and friendly for our community. And they are hyping up the Cheesecake Tacos, which, Alex, we've gotten a few comments about that from our last show. And it, it, sounds, like, it sounds like people are taking notice of Slim Sweets. I don't know if anyone's gotten to try one yet, but it sounds like, sounds like people think that's cool. If you're one of our listeners and you, you've heard about the cheesecake tacos and you're interested, let me know. I've heard from a couple of folks that they sound really good. Um, we're working with Earl on, you know, just exactly uh, where where you guys can reach out to him at and order those from. Uh, but check him out on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, Slim's Sweets. Yeah, uh, we, Earl, we, great we, guy. Yeah, we also hope to have Earl on a future episode. He can talk a little bit more about Slim Sweets. He's an NC State guy. He's a Washington football team fan. Um, so we would really, really thrilled to have, have Earl on board uh, with us as well. Um, but actually, the best way to get in contact with Earl is through the phone at 704-294-4957. That's 704-294-4957. So without further ado, now that we've got one of our sponsor shout outs out of the way, we're going to talk about Earl and Slim, Slim, Slim Sweets a little bit more when we unveil our new segment. But Alex, let's revisit what we talked about last week. Uh, we talked about our surprises and disappointments. We each picked one. Uh, and I'm going to give you props because you called that Florida-Kentucky game. I said Florida was probably going to get past it. You said you weren't so sure. And lo and behold, Kentucky comes out victorious. Yeah, and it's, I mean, you know, it's it's a reason I had Florida in the surprise because I was surprised they were playing as well as they were. Um, I I did not think that they were as good as, you know, they were going into that Kentucky game. Um, I was very impressed, don't get me wrong, with how they handled Alabama and kind of just, you know, trounced over Tennessee, so to speak. But it seems like Florida always plays up to Tennessee every year. Um, they play up to Georgia. They'll play up to LSU. And just one of those, you know, offshoot SEC East teams seems to get them every single year. And it just happened to be Kentucky uh, in a, a lit-up Kroger field over the weekend. Great environment if you like grocery stores. Um, and yeah, I also it, work part time at a grocery store, so I, I do kind of love grocery stores because they pay my rent in a way. There, there you go. Um, so I guess it's a it's a competitive stadium for you, uh, Foodline versus Kroger. Which one's better? 
Well, luckily, um, we don't have that kind of competition here in North Carolina. That's true. Kroger, Kroger's a little little far west for that. But I used to shop at Kroger when I lived in Virginia. Oh, there you go. So that was my surprise from last week. And your surprise also uh, uh, settled for a similar fate. Yeah, I don't know if settled is the right word because it wasn't exactly their choice. But, man, Georgia just pounded Arkansas all over the yard. Man, that I mean, that, that game wasn't even close. And, and the 37 to nothing victory for Georgia over Arkansas, just to clarify, I had Arkansas as my surprise, not Georgia. I think everybody expected Georgia to be pretty good this year. Um, but yep. the Razorbacks just come crashing down to earth, man. I, I, I don't even know what happened. I mean, it's just one of those games where every single thing went wrong. And I, I feel like it was, like, uh, as weird as it is for an underdog, I feel like that kind of game was almost a trap for them because it was a noon kickoff for some reason. Um, and that, I just don't think they were ever able to settle into the hype of that game because it started at noon. Um, Georgia plays a lot of home noon games, actually. Um, so I think that they really, really like, not not to say anything against Stanford Stadium at night or at the 3.30 slot, but... Um, that place is always rocking for noon games, it seems like. And they were they were ready for it. Um, great at great atmosphere. And they set the tone really early in that game. And like you said, uh, Arkansas never looked like they even showed up for that one. Um, first real, real big game of the of the year for them, I would say. I, the Texas game was good, but this was the first real test. And uh, they still got they still got a ways to go. Yeah, and speaking of uh, Arkansas's uh, schedule coming up, they are at Ole Miss this Saturday, and then they're home against Auburn. So it's not like the the road gets any easier uh, for the Razorbacks. And to your point about the the atmosphere at Sanford Stadium, um, Jeff Dantzler, who is part of the Georgia broadcast team, he does the uh, pregame and postgame shows, and uh, he does the women's basketball and baseball broadcast for the Dogs as well, a good friend of mine. He tweeted a picture of the student section over an hour before kickoff, well over an hour before kickoff, and that thing was full. So, like, you were you hit the nail on the head. The Bulldogs were ready for that one. Yeah, typically a, typically a trap game, but Georgia, you know, a very mature team this year. They, they weren't even a, a little bit hesitant in that uh, curb stomping of Arkansas. So what do you think this means the next couple of weeks for the Razorbacks, because like I said, the road doesn't get any easier. They go right back on the road to a Mississippi team that plays really well at home. I, I think, and speaking about atmospheres, they've got one of the best because those fans start arriving for tailgates two, three games or two, three days before game day. And Ole Miss, I think ranked number 17, if I'm not mistaken currently. Yeah. Yeah. They're 17. I think they dropped a spot. Um, didn't really show up against Alabama too much. Uh, Lane Kiffin, made some interesting coaching decisions early in the game. I'm not completely against what he did there. Um, I think you have to make those calls to beat a team like Alabama when you're undermanned. Um, just did not work out for him and re- really just lost lost control of that game really fast. So you've got two teams that are reeling from losing to what we'll, we'll talk about later, but two of the top teams in the country, Georgia and Alabama, respectively. We'll see which one of them is able to lick their wounds a little bit better. Um, and I think I think this game is going to set the tone for what those two programs do this year, how they handle the adversity of getting smacked in the mouth by big boy football teams and coming back to play against each other. Yeah. And speaking of smacked in the mouth by big boy football teams, uh, my disappointment from last week, uh, Indiana. I mean, you didn't really expect them to go to Penn State and win. But I don't think anyone expected them to get shut out either. Twenty four to nothing in favor of the Nittany Lions. Uh, Michael Penix, Jr., uh, battled some injuries this year, did not have a good game, was only 10 for 22, uh, less than 200 yards through the air, and no touchdowns and an interception. So things go from bad to worse for the Hoosiers, who get a much-needed bye week this Saturday. And still still doesn't look 100% uh, Michael Penix, um, but I don't even think a 200% Michael Penix does anything against that Penn State team. It's a team that's not getting a very lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, press right now. I think they're kind of under the radar. You know, which is hard to say for a number three, you know, top five rated Penn State. But I'm not really hearing a lot about them in just kind of the grand scheme of things. And I think that's working really well for them because they are just slowly going under the radar, picking off top 10 teams and these really good in-conference foes. Um, Their resume is going to look really good at the end of the year if they keep this up. Yeah. And to Indiana's point, like a lot of people forget what happened last year because people have kind of 
blocked 2020 out of their memory, but Indiana should have gone to the Big Ten title game last year. Yeah, they're a talented team. I mean, we're talking about two years ago, they played my Vols in the, the Gator Bowl, and if it wasn't for just a colossal collapse in the last five minutes of that game, um, they they handled us pretty good. Not, I mean, you know, the, the the next year, that Tennessee team wound up going three and seven, so it's not like it was a, a whole host of superstars over there. But, you know, they were trending in the right direction, like you said last year, continued that trend, and it you know it's for a good reason they're on your disappointment list because they should be doing a lot better than this and what about your disappointment from last week um what did what did they do this weekend yeah so uh, we talked about it in the last podcast uh, iowa state uh really really underperforming throughout the year and uh, i said they needed to come in uh into the the game against kansas and look look like iowa state again and they did that they put 59 points on the board brock purdy brace hall got back on track um, and they look to build off that to salvage the rest of the season. Cause it's not, it's not easy going down the stretch. They still have Oklahoma, still have Texas, um, still have West Virginia. So th- th- they got some work to do, but this is a great building block. They're coming off of their uh, coming up to a bye week um, So they get a little bit of time to rest before that horrendous back half of the schedule. And I think that's a testament to Matt Campbell's ability as a coach, you know, like, it's one thing to come off of a single game where you didn't play well and then to try and regroup and come back the next week and play. But, you know, we're six weeks into the season now and Iowa State has not looked like they're supposed to. And, you know, this game, especially against Kansas, you mentioned playing up to the level of your opponent. Well, Kansas is a team where the opponents a lot of times play down to that level. And we didn't see that from Iowa State this weekend. So real credit to Matt Campbell. You can really see why he's such a hot commodity every time there's a big coaching opening. And that's that's more what we were looking for in terms of, you know, the the results this season almost make it seem like they lost a, a, a leader in their quarterback and a leader at running back. But they have arguably the two most experienced uh, quarterback and running back combo in the Big 12. And uh, th- th- this past weekend was more what we expected it to look like. But again, it's Kansas. Hard to put any stock into it other than Iowa State did what Iowa State should have been doing the whole season. And that is stomping on teams that they should stomp on. Yeah, a lot of time, a lot of a lot of teams have trouble with that um, as Iowa State is going to have a bye week as well. And then they actually play the other Big 12 team from Kansas, Kansas State. That game's going to be on the road at night in the Little Apple. So bit of a tougher environment there before Oklahoma State comes to town and then they go to Morgantown. Uh, that's not a fun place to play for anybody for multiple I'll ne- reasons. I'll never get used to Coach Snyder not being on the sidelines at Kansas State. Yeah, it's it's weird. It reminds me of a uh, you just reminded me of the longest yard when yep. Adam Sandler <laughs> brings him up when uh, the guy says he played at Kansas State Prison. <laughs> yeah, Coach Snyder, are you shitting me? <laughs> <laughs> nope, Kansas State Prison. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is not a movies podcast, although we might we might throw some some movie stuff. Maybe we'll have a, a future episode where we talk about our favorite uh, sports movies. Um, but, yeah, you know, we talked about Georgia. They're in each of our college football top five. Bama is in our college football top five. I think you had kind of them as one A and one B, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, I think you're splitting hairs. Um, some people will give it to Bama just because they've been number one for like the last three years in a row. I'm OK with that approach. If I just hit a reset on the season and I'm telling you who I think is the best team that I've seen through the first five slash six weeks, uh, it's Georgia. I don't think Georgia's offense is as good as Alabama's, but it's been a long time since I've seen a defense as good in college football. What, what are your thoughts on, the, on the, the ranking of those top two teams? Well, actually, I have Bama in front just for the simple reason that until somebody knocks them off and that somebody could be Georgia in Atlanta – in, I believe, the first weekend of December. Um, but I'm just, you know, I'm kind of one of those people that's just like, look, nobody's nobody's taking their lunch. You know, nobody's taking the crown off their head. I'm going to keep them there until somebody does that. So I've got Bama as one, Georgia as two. And then we're going to disagree on this. I have Oklahoma in my top five. Yeah, I'm not, that they don't, they don't pass my eye test at all. Um, first things first, they've got a couple of Tennessee transfers over there who have taken their three and seven ways, it seems like. Um, and really, really finding out the finer art of playing down to your opponents. Um, I think Oklahoma has underachieved in three of their games so far this year. 
Um, even just a couple of weeks ago with the crowd chanting for the backup quarterback in a victory against West Virginia. Um, I'm not saying anything's bad there. And I, I have them around six or seven, so it's not like we're that far off. But um, I definitely wouldn't peg them as a playoff team right now. Uh, I think Spencer Rattler is overrated um, more mentally than physically. I think he's got the tools, but I think he likes himself some Spencer Rattler. And uh, that doesn't work well for him. Um, so what are your reasons for having Oklahoma, what, at three? Are they at three? I have them at three, and I, I just – this I'm looking at the numbers they've been putting up on the scoreboard. You know, I know, you know, Tulane is not SC or, you know, SEC competition. They're going to be in the SEC in a few years. I I know you might not consider them an SEC team yet, but I'm kind of getting into that mentality. You know, yeah. they're put up 40 points, 76 points. I know, you know, they struggled against uh, West Virginia. They struggled against Nebraska. 37 points on the road in Manhattan. You know, th- this team can keep up with anybody. Uh, and I know Spencer Radler has been less than popular. Um, but uh, I, I think te- this game against Texas coming up on Saturday – the Red River Shootout. Um, I know you're not supposed to call it that anymore because it glorifies violence or whatever. Uh, but one of my favorite atmospheres uh, of the season. You've got you know the Texas State Fair, bi- big Tex. Um, you always see those those shots of of that big robot statue thing on a uh, on TV. Uh, it's really cool with the stadium uh, half burnt orange, half crimson. Uh, but I just I really like this Oklahoma offense, man. I, I think they can they can get on the scoreboard with anybody. It would, it would be really cool to see them play Georgia, although I think Georgia would win the game. So in, in four, four out of their five games, their four power five, you know, you know FBS uh, teams they played, Tulane, five-point win, Nebraska, seven-point win, Kansas State, six-point win, West Virginia, three-point win. And you think that that's top three? I think it's top three, man. I'm, I'm sticking to my guns here. And it's really? not necessarily – Only one of those games is on the road. I, I, I'm, I'm a Top Sooner stand. I'm a Sooner stand. Okay, so, so, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Who do, yes. who do you have? Who do you have? Because you and I, I'll spoil this a little bit. You and I both have Penn State and Iowa who play this weekend and are number three and four in the country. Um, and we'll talk about that game in a second. But who do you have instead? Cincinnati. Um, and unlike Oklahoma, they have won a game against an FBS team by more than seven points. And they've beaten a ranked team. Um, and a ranked team on the road. They went into South Bend this past weekend, controlled the game. Uh, Desmond Ritter is a experienced signal caller. He's on pace right now to have easily his best season um, at Cincinnati. Uh, I, I don't have anything bad to say about them. They were the best team in Ohio last year and should have made the playoffs, but you know, the NCAA wasn't going to let Ohio State miss it. Ohio State had no business being in the playoff last year. Um, much less the Big Ten. Resume. Much less the Big Ten title game. That too. Um, I would have loved to have seen Cincinnati get that spot last year. Um, and uh, if we're looking at Cincinnati's uh, rest of their schedule, I mean, if we, you know, look at the teams they've beaten so far, they beat Miami of Ohio. Not a great team, but you know, still a not an FCS team. Uh, they beat your disappointments of the year, Indiana, and coming off of a you know two-score win over top ten Notre Dame at South Bend. The rest of their schedule is you know UCF at home, at Navy. That Tulane game maybe is going to be t- toughest close. game. I'm I'm looking further down. Toughest game looks like it's going to be November twentieth when SMU comes to town. Yeah, exactly. They they've got a pretty uh, a pretty sweet schedule here on the backside. Um, like like I was naming off a couple teams that you know could jump up there and just surprise you, but not surprise you if they won. Um, but I would be surprised if they lost the game the rest of the way. And that that resume looks really good to me. That they need the Notre Dame on there um, to to make it feasible, I think. But if they're undefeated at the end of the season, it's going to be really really hard to keep them out of the playoff. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, and this is a slightly this is a slightly. Uh, different question, but it sure. is related to Cincinnati. And actually, one man uh, who almost defines Cincinnati football. Do you think Luke Fickle will be the coach at Cincinnati next season, um, or will he? Make, or will he? Will he be at a power, you know, quote unquote, power conference school? You know, I, I if they go undefeated and don't make the playoffs, I don't think he comes back. Um, what What would be the point as as, as a coach who's trying to win a national championship? What more can you do? So I yeah I, I agree. I, I think that's I think that answers your question. If they get to the end of the season, handle Navy, handle Tulane, they should deserve 
going to the playoff. And if they don't get put into the playoff, I could see him taking out another power five job. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable assessment. Um, you know, you, everyone, everyone and their brother has been linked to the USC job. Um, and, you know, it's inevitable that a couple of other uh, big time FBS jobs are going to open at the end of the season, be it because of retirements, firings, you, you know, you name it. Hey, you're following the right hash. Our second episode, Attack of the Clones. Uh, I almost said Revenge of the Sith, but that's episode three. So that'll be next episode. Um, the twin podcasters. <laughs> pod, twin podcasters. <laughs> and so, Alex, we were talking about our, our top five. Um, sorry, our top five college football teams. We had dissension on Oklahoma versus Cincinnati. But to finish it out, we both agree that Penn State and Iowa belong right now. And lo and behold, these two teams play each other this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a, a great game. Luke, can you remind me where this game is taking place? This is going to be in Iowa City, which is actually where my grandparents met. So okay, place with a little bit of sentimental value for me. You know, everyone, I urge you to at least tune in and watch the uh, the Wave to the Children's Hospital. It's always a uh, a really, really cool thing to watch um, there at Iowa. Very, very special tradition. So even if you don't plan on watching the game, which I would recommend watching, this is going to be maybe the best game of the weekend. Um, tune in and watch that. I, I don't know who I would even get close to picking for this game. I think it's such a toss-up, Luke, but I'm really excited because being an SEC fan... I love defensive games and I feel like the SEC is getting away from that as a whole. So I'm really excited to watch this game between Penn state and Iowa, because I think these are two of the more stout complete defenses in college football. Yeah. This is a four o'clock game. So, you know, it's not going to be a night kickoff, still plenty of time for the crowd to get nice and, sure. you know, nice and liquored up for, uh, for this. Oh, sure. Um, and also to your point, I was as a Virginia basketball fan, I am also a fan of defensive games. And I think that's exactly what this game is going to be. I think it's going to be one of those, you know, 19 to 17, um, you know, 16 to 13, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe first to 20 wins. I don't know, but that seems to be a, a kind of a big 10 staple. Um, now that the sec is kind of gravitating toward uh, the, the higher octane offenses. Yeah. If you, if you liked Penn state, Wisconsin from earlier this season, I think the opening week was that game. Um, if you like Penn State, Wisconsin, this is this is shaping up to be a very similar game where you've got you've got some offensive playmakers, but this game is going to be one at the line of scrimmage, um, and it's it's going to be it's going to be a heck of a battle. I can't wait to watch it personally. Um, really, really excited to tune in and, and and see who comes out of that one. Yeah, I should be able to catch most of it. Uh, Marshall will kick it two against Old Dominion. I'll be producing that game for Learfield with uh, Steve Cotton, Mark Martin, Dave Wilson on the call. Great crew to work with. Love working with those guys. Love being a part of the Thundering Herd broadcast team. Uh, we're not going to preview that game, uh, but but <laughs> hopefully hopefully the Herd can pull that one out at home there on a three-game losing streak. We are going to preview a few games here as we launch into our promised new segment, Slim Sweets Indies of the Week, are presented by Slim Sweets, the mission of Slim Sweets is to produce top quality homemade bakery products in an environment that is safe, clean, and friendly for our community. That community being Wadesboro, North Carolina, where the proprietor of Slim Sweets lives, Earl Sturdivant. Earl, a friend of our program, he's been a friend of, of mine for, uh, for almost a decade now uh, since college. Just an all-around great dude, NC State grad, Washington football team fan. And uh, hyping up these, uh, we sound like broken records now, but we're hyping up these cheesecake tacos, which we really, really want you to try, man. It just That just sounds awesome. Cheesecake is awesome. Tacos are awesome. So cheesecake tacos have to be awesome, right? It, this guy is appropriately named. His parents knew what they were doing. This guy is the Earl of Cheesecake. <laughs> Couldn't go the whole show without you throwing in a pun, Mr. Thompson. But anyway, Absolutely if you want to... If you want to get get with Earl, give him a call at 704-294-4957. That's 704-294-4957. Or visit Slim Sweets on Facebook or Instagram. They will put something in the mail for you if, if you so choose. Um, so hey, give Earl a call. Shoot him a message. Let anyway, him know that we sent you. Most definitely. Talk talk about the right hash. We uh, we, we we would love to hear hear that. We'd love to hear feedback on the uh, on the podcast or on the on the cheesecake tacos or and next next episode, we're going to hype something else up that Earl makes. So stay tuned to figure out what that is. Looking forward to that myself. But remember, this is a sports show. So we're going to pick some football games now. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we can talk sports, but I, I don't know, man. I think we could do an hour on the cheesecake tacos. I really think we could, too. So maybe we'll have to launch a, a second podcast where you and I talk about food, which as hefty individuals, I think uh, both you and I could fill a lot more than an hour talking about our favorite foods. Yeah, I'm not sure what we would be more expert in, sports or food. And luckily, those two go together like, you know, like, I don't even know. I was going to make a make a simile there, but they, those two just go perfectly together. But without further ado, we jump into Slim Sweets Indies of the Week. We're going to pick a couple college football games, going to pick the Sunday night football game and the Monday night football game. We'll start with college and we'll start with that game we were just talking about. Uh, Penn State at Iowa, number three versus number four. I've got the Nittany Lions in this. I don't really have like a solid reason for doing it other than the fact that they looked really, really good against Indiana on Saturday night. This just kind of feels like one of those games where the road team comes away with a win. Yeah, I am I agree with everything you just said there. Um, I, I have Penn State here. I can't tell you why. Just more of a, I guess, more of a gut feeling. But um I guess if I had to ride with one coach in one game, I'll ride with James Franklin, even though I don't like James Franklin at all. Um, he's a good coach, and uh, I, th- I think his players are playing to keep him. You know, his his name seems to be the hot name over there in uh, in Southern Cal for potentially the next head coach. And, you know, I think his players, evident by the way they've been playing this year, are trying to show him, don't even talk about that job. You need to stay here. This is where you're supposed to be. and if they win this game, it puts them, you know, pot- potentially top two. You know, you could you could say they maybe eke past Georgia or Auburn just by their their resume. Um, so I've got Penn State and a really, really close one, but that one could could change with one bounce of the ball. Yeah, player to watch in this one is Nittany Lions linebacker Brandon Smith. He's uh, from Louisa, Virginia, which is about half an hour uh, from where I grew up. I've covered a ton of games out at Louisa. Uh, their mascot's the Lions. They call their stadium the Jungle. They get five, six, 7,000 people in there every Friday night. Uh, Brandon, one of, one of the great kids that came out from there, uh, has really kind of carved out a niche for himself at, at Penn State, and he's, you know, he's getting plenty of playing time. He's got 19 solo tackles this year. I'm looking for him to have a breakout game in this defensive struggle that we've talked about so far yeah we'll 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 see what happens you know does home field advantage mean anything we'll find out we definitely will so this next one this next one's in you know closer to our neck of the woods um we've got auburn and georgia the south's oldest rivalry um this one you know probably not as much of a a toss-up as our first pick but i've got georgia but this is one of those games where Auburn's coming off of a, a pretty uh, exciting comeback win against LSU on uh, late, late Saturday night. That was a 9 o'clock um, kick because it was uh, central time. Um, you know, came back at the end. Bo Nix looked like he has uh, cemented his job there as starting quarterback um, over TJ Finley. And, you know, you just never know in these games. I got Georgia, but you just never know. What do yeah, you I, I really think Georgia gets it done here, too. Uh, I mean, what what reason do we have to think that they won't? Uh, I mean, look at what they did to Arkansas last week. and Look at what they've been doing to everybody who they played. They held Clemson to three points, and you can debate whether Clemson's offense is even any good this year. Uh, but the fact remains, they held Clemson to three points. Um, and I just I don't see any way that the Georgia train falls off the tracks here. They're, I mean, they're just, they are humming right now. This team is playing just as good as... Anybody in the country, save for, you know, maybe Alabama, like we talked about in our power rankings. But, yeah, I, I think Georgia by 10. Uh, to, to answer your question, though, Georgia has not won a national title since 1980. And it seems like we have this conversation every single year about Georgia's too good. Nobody's going to beat them until they get to Alabama. And outside of, you know, I guess that Tua Tagovailoa freshman year where he came in to beat the Dogs, um, the dogs haven't really got close to the to the national title, so they always seem to find one team that they choke against. And who knows? Maybe that Georgia Magic is back in store to choke early this year. We'll see. I, I don't have it happening, but in these rivalry games, you never know. Yeah, I, I'm actually looking to see a lot of Georgia fans in that stadium at Jordan Air Stadium. Uh, Props for to me for pronouncing it correctly, um, but because that, this is the sh- this is the shortest trip for Georgia. I think save for South Carolina, 
I think this is the only, as far as their basketball games go, the only schools that they bust to are South Carolina and Auburn. So this is going to be, you know, this is a prime opportunity for dog fans, especially dog fans who live in you know, the southern part of the state or the western part of the state, close to the Alabama border. If they might not get to a game in Athens, maybe they can, you know, sneak a ticket to this game in Jordan Air Stadium. And I think the dogs are going to have a good amount of support there. And like I said, I think the dogs win by double digits. Yeah, I, I I agree. I don't think Auburn's going to score very many points at that. Yeah, I, I yeah, like like we talked about how the SEC is getting away from those def- you know defensive games. Georgia is not getting away from that. No, Georgia, like I like I said at the top of the show, Georgia might be they're one of the best defenses I've ever seen at the college level. Yeah, it's it's really amazing to watch and um, twenty three points given up to this point in the season. What five games? Five games, and I mean they played. Insane. They played pretty, you know, decent teams, and they've given up twenty three points. And yeah, maybe this is this is finally when Kirby Smart gets it done. He was an offensive coordinator, wasn't he? Oh no, Kirby Smart was defensive. Oh, he was they, okay. He was. They defensive. also have that another makes, former makes defensive coordinator, Will Muschamp, roaming the sidelines as well. So they have the all star defensive coaching team over there. Ah, oh, yes, one one of our good friend Mike Barlow's favorite people. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, he <laughs> he he, he lumped him some boom. <laughs> they called him there. Boom. <laughs> so we, those are our two college picks. We're both in agreement about that. Sunday night football, one of the most anticipated games, at least of this early portion of the season, AFC championship game rematch in the same stadium that it was held last season. Crazy. Bills, Chiefs. Who you got? Yeah, this is this is an interesting game. Um, it didn't take me too long to settle on the pick just because of the way that the two teams have been playing recently. Um, I think the Chiefs have probably played a tougher schedule to this point, but the Bills out outside of that week one fluke, in my opinion, that week one is was just a fluke. Some kind of weird week one stuff was happening there. They have absolutely steamrolled every other team since that. Um, I've got the Bills. I've got the Bills in a laugher. I don't think this one's gonna be Wow. Close. Wow, that's bold. I have the it, Chiefs. Give me in the, this one. I'm gonna give you my line real quick. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Bills plus seventeen. Wow, I might have to put a cheesecake taco on that one, but uh, Let's do I it. have I have the I have the Buffalo or not? Excuse me, I have the Buffalo Bills losing this game to the Kansas City Chiefs, and I know the Chiefs' offense has looked, or excuse me, the Chiefs' defense has looked terrible, and there's no two ways around that. I mean, you let the Philadelphia Eagles put up 30 points on you, and I know they won that game, but man, the Eagles are bad. They are bad, 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 and you allow 30 points, and, and I think this is a not a get right game for the the Chiefs defense uh, because they're playing a really tough opponent. You know, you use the term get right game for a time when you're playing a, a crappy team like the Jaguars. Yeah, but exactly. They, it's going to be a game where their defense, I think, finally shows up. And, and I don't have the magic formula to that. Sure. Um, but but, you know, they've got an experienced coach in Andy Reid. Um, they've got an offense that, you know, is going to put points on the board. You know, I, for as good as Josh Allen and the Bills offense has been this year. You know Mahomes and company can match them, uh, you know, punch for punch on the offensive end. I hope Tyreek Hill has a big game because he's on my fantasy team. That's beside the point. Um, but Arrowhead at night, great atmosphere, almost a college-like atmosphere if you think about it. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to show up under the lights. I think the Chiefs win this game 24-17. to 17. All right. Yeah, I don't disagree. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, it, you know, I just... Something tells me that these good defenses have the Chiefs figured out. But one thing, one, you know, X factor for everyone to watch. I think news just came out yesterday or this morning. Uh, Josh Gordon, officially part of the, uh, the the official active roster for them. He will make his Chiefs debut in this game. Um, while we talked about Josh Gordon last week just a little bit. And to say I'm skeptical is, will probably be accurate. You know, we've seen this before. But... Getting activated to the active roster that fast, um, and he's he's gonna have some open field. They're not gonna focus on him like they are gonna focus on Tyreek and uh, Travis Kelsey still. So, you know, may, maybe watch out for a Josh Gordon, you know, uh, reemergence this weekend. It would be a great stage to do it on. It would be, and maybe we could get him on the right hash. He seems like he'd be an appropriate guest. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's probably dabbled. Yeah, I although yeah, getting probably tracking him down might be might be difficult. Um, but I'm gonna let me tell you why I think this is gonna be why I think you know the score is gonna be what I think it is. Every sign points to a high scoring shootout for this game, and that's exactly why I think it's gonna be the opposite. 
the, the, the Bills offense is really good. I think Stephon Diggs will have a touchdown or two. But I think this is going to be one of those games where there's like a late turnover or like a blocked punt, a blocked field goal. One of those goofy things that you don't see very often in the NFL, but when you see it, it changes a game. I think that's going to happen in the second half of this game. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll see if your prediction comes true. We'll see if my prediction comes true. We, we've made some, you know, kind of outside of the, the pick uh, predictions. So we'll see, we'll see if those hold true uh, next week when we review. Yeah, this is gonna be a really this is gonna be a really fun weekend of football, man. I'm 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 excited. Um, we're this not month. done picking games yet here on Slim Sweets Indies of the Week. We actually yeah, this, each have two more games to pick. This month, this Monday night game is a little bit of a a snoozer for some. I I love watching the relocation bowl myself, just because you know my my first experience in the NFL was as a Colts fan. So you know m- my introduction to the league was learning about. Baltimore Colts and Johnny Unitas and those guys. So there, there, there is history between these two teams, um, whether or not anybody realizes it. Um, I don't think it's going to be a very good game, personally, but there's a lot of really good storylines within this game. Yeah, and guarantee you'll see something on during the ESPN broadcast about the relocations of each team. Yeah. Um, man, we could, have a, we could have a whole episode on that. <laughs> just, just those two scenarios by themselves. Agreed. Um, yeah, my, my parents being from Maryland... Um, they, you know, they're, they're Washington fans, but, um, my dad was an Orioles fan. So he went to Memorial stadium many, many times, uh, to see the Orioles play. And that was where the Colts played as well. So yeah, really, really two of the, uh, two of the more unfair relocations, I think to the, to the market that lost the team, but, you know, luckily Baltimore and Cleveland both have teams now. Um, before so I give you I, and as far as the game goes, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, you know, I, I think the. I think the Ravens win this one fairly handily. Uh, the Colts have really struggled this season. They got into the winner's column against Miami uh, last weekend because it was the Dolphins um, who didn't have Tua Tagovailoa. But, I, yeah, I think Dolphins Baltimore... Dolphins better with Jacoby Brissett, too, by the way. Just throwing that out there for everybody. Yeah, um, I think Baltimore wins this game. I, I'm not going to give a score prediction, but I, I, don't think this is, I don't think this game is going to be particularly compelling in the second half. Yeah, ba- ba- I think Baltimore wins, and what Baltimore needs to focus on are two things. One... Don't get hurt. And two, make sure you keep that streak alive so that you can keep that guy in Denver bitching and moaning like he was this week um, <laughs> yeah. uh, about the Ravens having to go get that 100-yard streak. So keep the streak up. Uh, one quick note about this game. I am really disappointed that Manning cast won't be happening for a Colts game. Um, was really hoping to catch Peyton calling this Colts game just because I would love to see the the lineup of folks he brings on. But... Alas, we won't get it this week. We won't get it for really the rest of this month. I think they're not on for the next three weeks. So yeah, I think I think that's because of baseball because ESPN has the rights to some of the playoff games. So um, that that explains that part. But yeah, I'm with you, man. Yeah. The Manning cast is awesome. I love it. So our our true actual like r- real new segment part of this is Slim Sweets Surprise Indie of the Week, where we each bring one game that we pick the underdog or or I I guess underdog's probably the best way to put it, but the team that you wouldn't necessarily expect on paper to win. Um I'll, the I'll underdog. start first. Yeah. Uh, un- <laughs> underdog I guess. I'm just not I'm not going off of a spread. Um I'll let you mine start. mine this week is LSU going back to grocery store stadium at Kentucky and knocking off the Kentucky Wildcats. Um, I think Ed Orgeron is coaching for his job. Their next five games. Listen to this next five games, Luke. At number 16, Kentucky. Home against number 20, Florida. At 17, Ole Miss. And then God looks down from above and gives them a bye week. Then they go at number one, Alabama. And then home to 13, Arkansas. Number 13, Arkansas. That's their next five games. I'd be really looking forward to that bye week. Yes, yeah, it, the faster <laughs> they can get there, and really, they need to win at least one of these next three games, or they're looking for a new coach, and they might already be doing that. Word, word yeah, I was, gonna, I was gonna say, there's a lot of speculation going on. There's there. some word on the street today that they're looking for a new coach to help entice Arch Manning to come to LSU. So, um, Edo might already be out of time, but he he need he needs this win. I think Kentucky is a program that doesn't really understand how to handle success quite yet. 
and I think this is going to be a classic trap game. They're going to be kind of high coming off of the the Florida win, rightfully so. Um, I think LSU's got more to play for with that, you know, kind of the the tragic collapse at the end of that uh, Auburn game last week. Um, but there was some some quick news that Derek Stingley Jr. is not going to be uh, with the team for the next couple of weeks. So uh, m- maybe that has some effect here in this game. But um, I've got LSU. I've got LSU beating Kentucky. What's yours? Yeah, What's your I, surprise, I, think that's a, I think that's a solid pick. I think LSU has a really decent chance in that game. I am going to go outside the Power Five for my surprise, Indy. I'm going to stay in the state of North Carolina because my pick is East Carolina on the road at UCF. They're getting 10 points. I think ECU wins this game. A couple different reasons. One, they played Marshall this year um, and we're down 17 nothing, or excuse me, down 17 points going into the fourth quarter. They score three fourth quarter touchdowns and beat the herd in Huntington. That's kind of where Marshall's season turned. But also because Mike Houston, I think Mike Houston's a really great coach. Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of kind of carved out a spot for him there. The, the players love playing for him. And, and you see that in the resilience of this team. You know, this team isn't afraid to go on the road. They're not afraid to play from behind. They probably should have beaten South Carolina back in Greenville yep. out of the SEC. Um, you know, could have, should have, would have. But they're going to the bounce house uh, to face a team that has cool. I think has cooled off a little bit in ECU or excuse me in UCF uh, from you know the the quote unquote national championship season. Uh, I think the expectations for Gus Malzahn are, are a little bit high there, and I think this is kind of a ripe atmosphere for a conference foe to come in and deep pants you on your home field. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting pick. I like the pick. Uh, the Gus bus has been struggling the last couple of weeks. I believe coming off back to back losses, what to Navy and. Uh... Who was the other loss they had, Luke? Oh man, I I need to. I did not prepare to have UCF schedule in front of me. Huh. I, I know I know they lost to Navy this weekend, and they lost to another. They lost. Um, they did lose to Louisville on that that crazy pick six. Um, but and that's their, anyway, yeah, they're two know, and for, two for UCF standards. You know, you really can't afford to lose games and have a chance at the end of the season like they've been hoping to have. Um and. You know they've had a tough stretch. They lose Scott Frost to Nebraska, or uh, yeah, to Nebraska, and then you know Josh Heupel and their athletic director Danny White to Tennessee in the off season. Um, I think I think they made probably the- one of the best tires of the entire off season with Gus Malzahn. I think he's great for them. Um, but places like that are not easy to win at when you've been there for five years, much less as soon as you get there. So. It's going to need a little bit of time to turn around, and I think that's a great surprise indie upset pick of the week. And one more thing before we move on. Another reason I think this is going to happen, look who UCF plays after East Carolina. They are at Cincinnati. They're going to be looking ahead to that game. Yeah, that's that's probably the biggest game left on their schedule. Yeah, I would agree with that. Just as far as like that, their their chance to to get a you know a potential playoff. I mean, they're, they're not going to fight for a playoff spot this year with losses, but... Um, you know, just just to put something on the resume, maybe for next year they can point back and say, "Hey, look, we beat that Cincinnati team." Don't forget about that. Yeah, you definitely definitely don't don't want to count UCF out. I just I really like East Carolina this weekend, and that was our Slim Sweets surprise indies of the week. As we move on now to an NFL portion of our our show here, and we we talked a lot about college, so we'll we'll touch we'll touch on this not super quickly, but we'll we'll we'll. We only have one NFL real topic to talk about today, and that's rookie quarterbacks. And you talked to me this about me to me about this this morning, and my mind immediately just went to young quarterbacks. I thought of Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow as you know the next two up and coming. But as in, as in terms of people drafted in 2021, I really like Matt Jones and I really like Trey Lance. Um, I, I'll start with Matt Jones. I think you know kind of the the Bill Belichick intuition speaks for itself. Um, you know, he always assembled the, the perfect roster in New England. The seven seven rings speak for themselves as well. Uh, but, you know, Mac looked really good on national television against the Patriots, former quarterback. Um, and I know it, you know, I know it's not just a quarterback on quarterback game. Um, but, you know, you can usually tell pretty early on whether a quarterback has it between the ears. And Mac Jones has it between the ears. I think he's only going to get better uh, under Bill Belichick's coaching. And, and the reason I'm high on Trey Lance is because. Kyle Shanahan, also uh, a, you know, a quarterback whisperer of sorts, 
San Francisco traded up to number three to get him. You don't do that if you don't see something. Yeah, and we saw that happen uh, with a team that got a little bit of uh, a laugh at their expense in the last five years for doing that, and then it turns around that they drafted maybe one of the best quarterbacks you know, of our generation, and that was when the Chiefs traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. So, well, like you said, when a coach, when a staff that has a good track record has a gut feeling and trades up to get their guy, you should be put on notice. And the and other thing played, about trade, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and he played last week uh, in, in respite of uh, um, Jimmy Garoppolo. And I thought for his first real action, I thought he looked really good. Yeah, actually, unfortunately, I didn't catch the game, but you know, I didn't see anything real negative about how Trey mm-hmm. Lance played, even though San Francisco did not win the game. Um, but I, I, I also think because he played at North Dakota State, which is not a, which is an FCS power, but no doubt. Um, but you know, you're not playing with the top talent in the country at those schools. You know, you're not at the SEC. You're not in yep. the Big Ten. You kind of have to you know, stretch your ability a little bit when you're playing at those schools. Trey Lance is capable of doing that. You know, his team is banged up right now. Raheem Mostert out for the season, star running back. You know, that's just the tip of the iceberg uh, for the 49ers who had a lot of injury problems last year and looks like this year's season's going to be more of the same uh, through these first few weeks. Um, but Trey Lance is a guy who also, between the ears, he's he's got it, man. He's just got it. I don't know what, I don't know what it is, but he's got it. Yeah, and he's a modern quarterback. One thing I'd like to point out about the two guys you picked out of the the five first rounders, I think that you have picked the two guys who landed in easily the the best spots to succeed early. They are on teams that have vastly better rosters than the other three. Um, so I think they are also in a position to succeed quicker because of that. Um, and then I'll, I'll talk about my two. Um, well, we actually didn't have any overlap here. Mine are, in this order, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Fields uh, was number three for me. If I, if I could have picked a third, I would have picked Fields. Yeah, J- Justin Fields is, t- to me, just the most ideal quarterback that came out of this draft. Um, you know, I don't think he's necessarily the best of all of them from a technical standpoint, but I think he brings everything to the table to succeed in the modern NFL. He's got a big body, good arm, great between the ears. Um, you know, m- mobile. Uh, I I would say that the biggest downside for him is going to be the limitations he's got on him from a coaching standpoint. Um, I think Matt Nagy is a really horrible head coach. Um, thankfully they came out and named him the starter for the rest of the way and ended that Andy Dalton Chinese water torture experiment they were trying on everybody. Um, you know, I I don't I don't think that he's gonna have too much issue on the field. I think he has some, you know, some good receivers and, you know, Darnell Mooney and uh, Allen Robinson. When he gets David Montgomery back, he'll have that guy. They've got a good defense. So he's probably third in the rankings as well as far as situation that he fell into outside of the coach. Um, But this guy's just a gamer and ultimately really talented. And then, you know, go ahead. And I I think Chicago is a team that just, they need a shot in the arm, man. They're, They're a storied old school popular NFL franchise. You know, they're they're you know, they're they're one of those teams that you think of when you think of the toughness and you know the just yeah. the just the you know the I don't know what the right word is, just the, you know the moxie behind football. You think of the Bears, the monsters of the midway. You know, they they're one of those teams that's just you know that's been around forever and is iconic. And they've been stuck in neutral for a really long time. Uh and they just they need that guy, you know, to to just revitalize the fan base. They're, they're talking about building a new stadium. Things have gone a little bit stale in Chicago, and I think Justin Fields is going to be one of the main reasons that that team gets up off the mat if they do. I, I agree. And I, th- I think this is a team that can win in spite of coaching this year. Um, I think Justin Fields is ready to play in the NFL. Um, I, don't think yeah. his, I don't think his ceiling is as high as this next guy, but I think he has a better team, and is more currently ready to compete in the NFL than my next quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Um, and, I mean, th- there's not too much I can say that hasn't been said about Trevor Lawrence, but the reason I've got him here is because I think he has the highest ceiling of everybody. 
I think actually of all four quarterbacks, he's probably had the worst start to the season. And some of it's been him. Some of it has been inaccuracy. Some of it has been slow decision-making. Um, he's looked a little hesitant sometimes. Um, he's done really well in the pocket, has not been a turnover machine the last two weeks. Um, so they're improving. But I think he just has the highest ceiling. I think at the end of the day, Trevor Lawrence will be the guy we look back and say, this is the best guy from that draft. But I think right now, Justin Fields, the two guys you mentioned, are in better places to win immediately. I could I could see Trey Lance potentially making it to a Super Bowl this year. That team is so good. Um, so I think Trevor Lawrence, you know, of, of course, yeah, big brain, number one overall pick, most heralded quarterback since Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Yeah, you're an expert over here. But I, I just think, I think he has the highest ceiling, but I think he has got the furthest to go in order to achieve that just from what we've seen in these first four weeks. Yeah, and you made a good point during training camp when Tim Tebow was on the roster. Uh, you know, they did a good job, did the Jaguars of, and I don't know if this was Shad Khan, this was Urban Meyer, this was whoever. Um, they did a really good job of kind of keeping him away from the scrutiny uh, yep. with, you know, signing Tebow. And now you've got all this crap going on with Urban Meyer. And that just takes more of the spotlight away from Trevor Lawrence. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's exactly what a rookie quarterback needs when they want to develop. I mean, did you even know today was his 22nd birthday? No, honestly, no. Yeah. And and no, no one does because of all the, I mean, of course, Urban Meyer's not doing what he's doing to keep the spotlight on himself or anything. But, you know, just another one of those happy byproducts. Literally, nobody's paying attention to the number one draft pick while he's doing his thing over here getting better. And everyone's focused on, you know, preview to my hotbox segment, focused on Urban Meyer and Shad Khan and, you know, the controversy that's going on there. Um, so, yeah, gr great, great. Uh, Great memory by you to to go back in the Rolodex of things that I've said, um, because yes, that is, that is something that I was really happy with, and um, seems like it's worked out pretty well. Because even even some of the games that you know, the two or three of the games he had early this season, he didn't play that well. But you just didn't really hear too much about it, and that's a testament to either how bad the, and you know irrelevant the team is, or how good of a job they've done focusing everything on Urban Meyer and letting everything be about him instead of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And I think, I think at this point, most Jaguars fans, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but have kind of accepted that this season is just kind of like a take our lumps season. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm, I really think Trevor, yeah, Trevor Lawrence has a bright future. Two, three, I got together with the other one Jaguar fan in existence. And yeah, we both, we both said the same thing. Yeah. So I, I think that's, that's a really, really good segue into, uh, into our signature ending segment. I call it signature because, like we've been doing a bunch of shows, the second show, but this is the hot box where we talk about things that are grinding our gears in the world of sports. Just things that maybe over the weekend we thought about something happened in sports um, that just kind of annoyed us. Maybe we saw something on the internet that annoyed us. Um, this is our classic closing out segment and it is brought to you by the fine folks or the fine folk at Slim Sweets. Earl Sturdivant down in Wadesboro, North Carolina. The mission of Slim Sweets is to produce top quality homemade bakery products in an environment that is safe, clean, and friendly for our community. I mean, you've got to just try these cheesecake tacos. I haven't even gotten to try one yet, and I'm like still hyping them up. So, I mean, cheesecake plus taco. How can that you go wrong with that? Yeah, I gained two two pounds from the Instagram post, so I, I probably should stay away from them, but I know I'm not going to. Yeah, he, we got to talk to Earl about doing some like keto friendly stuff. Now, I don't know how you do that with desserts, but maybe maybe you don't. It, I, it's it's I'm cheesecake certainly not an the, expert. Without the crust, just just send me a big bowl of cheesecake filling, and we'll call it <laughs> even. Anyway, you can get up with Earl at 704-294-4957. That's 704-294-4957. Or as you mentioned, you can go to Instagram or Facebook. Look for Slim's Sweets. And as I said, they are in Wadesboro, North Carolina. They'll deliver all over the state. They've delivered to me in Virginia before. I should say shipped to me in Virginia. I didn't, unfortunately, get to see Earl in person. Um, but uh, they, they sent me some stuff from North Carolina to Virginia. I'm sure they, wherever you live, they would send you some stuff if you're interested. So big thanks to Earl for uh, being on board with us here. We hope to have him on a future show. Uh, but without further ado, Alex Thompson, you are in the hot box. Thank you, Luke. Um, and as I alluded to a few minutes ago, my hot box this week is about none other than my head signal caller for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Cowboy Meyer. 
I'm sure that all of you are up to speed with the debauchery that was captured on video from his long weekend in Ohio um, after the Jaguars played the Bengals uh, on Thursday night football. Um, he decided not to join the team on the team flight back. Uh, kind of a red flag, although supposedly he got it cleared with Trent Balky, our uh, GM. So I guess you're OK there. Um but he said it was in order to go see his family. Then he lied about getting dragged across the street for some pictures and, you know, people trying to get him on the dance floor. And, you know, up until up until Monday, his press conference, it looked like, you know, OK, he's on the up and up. Uh, he's telling the truth. He apologized to position group leaders um, and tried to let them handle it as a team. This right there kind of lost major credibility, considering he didn't want to go to the entire team about it. He kind of wanted to filter it out through small position groups, which I thought was kind of cowardly myself. But then about two hours after his press conference, an alternate angle of his trip to the random bar in Ohio revealed an alternate angle of this lady sitting on his lap. Um, and we see very clearly uh, Urban Meyer making... Uh, you know, for lack of a better term, an attempt to ring the devil's doorbell um, on this 20-something hotsy totsy chick sitting on his lap. Um, his world is spinning now, and I can already see that he feels his chest tightening. Um, as a Jaguars fan, I am not inspired by Shad Khan's response. That's the owner. Um, in giving Urban, you know, a chance to repair his uh, reputation and trust in the building, Yada yada, you know, coach speak, coach speak. This is not the first time Urban's been caught in a lie. It won't be the last. I say get him out of that building. Name an interim, Daryl Bevel, I don't care. Hire an actual coach in the offseason. There's a lot of them out there that would do amazing things with Trevor Lawrence that have NFL experience. Don't pussyfoot around. You have one of the most heralded quarterback prospects of all time sitting in your building on a sweet rookie deal. Don't piss it away. The Jags have one chance to prove that they are serious about winning, and getting rid of this rodeo clown, Urban Meyer, will go a long way towards setting the tone that there will be no nonsense in Jacksonville while we're building whatever this is. And that is my hot box. Yeah, and these are things that you just can't do as an NFL coach. I mean, Jay Gruden got in hot water Maybe he was in the hot box for uh, for it a couple years ago when he was still coach of the the former Washington Redskins. Uh, he was photographed drunk out at a bar with somebody who he was not married to, and you know that wasn't really the reason he lost his job, but you know it definitely didn't help. And maybe Urban Meyer could get away with this in Gainesville. Maybe he could get away with this in Columbus. Maybe you know he was that well knit into the community that he could, you know, just have it swept under the rug if anything like this happened. You can't do that in an NFL city. I mean, you just can't. And in the age of social media, I know my, you know my bosses talk to me about this all the time. They're like, you know, you can't say F-U-N-C or F-Duke because you work in college football. Um, so, you know, it's something you just kind of have to accept. And like, you know, you're not a college coach anymore. There are certain things that you cannot be caught doing. And this is one of them. Not, not only that, I'm just kind of... I'm kind of fed up with the hypocrisy too, man. Like I like I mentioned earlier, today is Trevor Lawrence's 22nd birthday, and Trevor wanted to go to Vegas to you know celebrate his birthday, and Urban advised him against it because it would look bad. <laughs> and you know I just I, I on one hand I agree completely with Urban Meyer. Yeah, our you know brand new number one draft pick probably shouldn't be going to Vegas a month into getting to Jacksonville, but. You know, let let let's not you know pot call a kettle black over here. Just so so hypocritical. You gotta you gotta do better. And he's he's out of chances. You you can't do that in the NFL. You maybe in the you know NCAA you can erase text and tell Shelly that you you know didn't talk to this person or that person and get away with it. But um, that doesn't work in the NFL. I guess unless you're in Jacksonville, they don't care there apparently. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It kind of it seems like. They won't have an in-season firing, except unless things get super, super bad. But yeah, this seems like the only year that he's going to be in charge there. Yeah, I mean, there's not too much reason because you can't hire anybody. So, I mean, I guess from that perspective, maybe you shouldn't. But I wouldn't mind just getting him out of there before the culture's ruined. But anyway, my hot box is over. Luke Nat Carney, 
you are in the hot box. I'm I'm thrilled to be here this evening because I want to talk about a little thing called social media. You on Twitter, the fan, watching your game, drinking your beer at home, eating your pizza, whatever nachos, whatever the heck it is that you eat, slim sweets maybe, I, I don't know. You do not know more than the referees, and you do not know more than your coaching staff, and you definitely don't know more than your players. I am so tired of seeing people on social media, primarily Twitter, but it happens on other platforms as well. You know, as soon as something goes wrong with their team, their quarterback throws an interception, they'll say, oh, why did, why did, you know, why did um, Ron Rivera call that play? That was terrible. Or why did, you know, they come out in that scheme against these personnel? Look, these guys spend hours, days at a time in the film room. Uh, You know, Marshall head coach Charles Huff as soon as the game against East Carolina ended on a Saturday a few weeks ago and they had to play on a Thursday, he didn't even go home. He went straight to his film room and watched film. You wouldn't do that if you were a coach. You would go home and sit on your butt and watch more TV. That's why I'm sick of it. You do not do what these coaches do. You don't watch film. You don't deal with these players on a daily basis. You certainly don't know the rule book. You And... I'm just, I can't stand these, these armchair, you know, armchair everything. There's even armchair broadcasters who are like, oh man, Dave Pash is such a jerk. He rooted against my team today. Like, no, that doesn't happen. You don't know the first thing about doing play-by-play for ESPN. That's why you're sitting on your butt watching football instead of doing what somebody like Dave Pash does or doing what somebody like Ron Rivera does. And and it's just like, it's one of the, and it happens everywhere else. It's like, I worked in a restaurant and when I first started working in a restaurant, I thought I knew everything about working in a restaurant, but it turned out I really didn't. So I challenge just one of these armchair fans to coach one series in, in in any level of high level of football. I mean, the, the mid American conference, just, you know, go put on a headset, give it, give it a shot. See, see how you do. Yeah. I, I I agree. I, I always I always think that there's going to be the exception to the rule where, yes, yeah, something a fan said on Twitter probably w- would have been a better option than some isolated incident. But as as a general rule, you're entirely correct. That's what those guys are paid to do, and that's why you're not paid to do it. It's because they're better at it than everybody else. Um, so I I completely agree. Um, Although going back to maybe the Bears, I think every media uh, outlet and fan, Chicago fan and everybody could have told you that Justin Fields was the quarterback to play over Andy Dalton. Um, you know, but like I said, there there are only isolated instances I think where that's even uh, applicable. You're you're totally right. Everybody on Twitter is just typing hot air, have no idea what they're talking about. They're angry at so-and-so, and it it is frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I haven't been guilty of it when watching you know, oh, yeah. the Washington football team, but, too, like, man. some people take it way, way, way too far. And it's just like, it's like, chill out. These guys know what they're doing for the most part. It doesn't always work out, but I promise you, these coaches put more effort into their jobs, and these referees and players put more effort into their jobs than almost, you know, 99% of people in this country. Well, that, and they're doing it against people who also get paid to do the same thing. So, you know, everything, something's going to have to give somewhere. Someone's got to lose. Someone's got to win, you know, yeah, as, 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 as my old friend, Jeff Dantzler says, that boy's on scholarship too. Yeah. It, that's, it's such a great, such a great saying. And it's so true. You know, j- just because he's really good at it doesn't mean there's not somebody across the field. That's just as good as him. I mentioned Dave Pash just because every Saturday he does this thing where he posts a screenshot of a tweet saying he rooted for one team, and then he posts a <laughs> screenshot of a tweet saying he rooted for the other team, and he's like, college football is awesome. And I just I love that he does that. He's one of the best in the business. Dave Pash, is he still on around the horn? I Was he ever? I think so, unless I'm thinking of a different Dave Pash. Oh, man. I, I, I got to be honest. I haven't watched that show in a long time just because my life's gotten so busy. But I did yeah. used to love getting home from school and that around the horn PTI doubleheader just waiting for me. It was literally the best, dude. And then you had Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy not too long behind it. Just the perfect day. 
Oh, yeah. The perfect day. It's going to be the perfect weekend for college football. It's always the perfect weekend for college football in the fall. We've got some games we're looking forward to. And Alex, thanks for joining me on this episode of The Right Hash. It's always a pleasure, and I look forward to many, many more episodes. Yeah, Luke, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing these every week. And thank you to everyone out there who has listened to the first episode and uh, continuing to follow us, listening to this episode. Please give us any feedback you have. Um, you know, it's still a, a, a new podcast. We're still getting our feet wet, so to speak, in some aspects. So um, thank you to everyone who has given us feedback and uh, let us know that you're interested in the cheesecake tacos and, you know, all kinds of things of that nature. So just a big shout out to everyone who's, who's been following along so far. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And one more time, we really appreciate Earl Sturdivant at, at Slim Sweets for uh, for being on board with us for with this as well. And hopefully we'll have him on a future show. So um, for Alex Thompson, my name is Luke Nad Carney. ECU over UCF this weekend. Remember that the Pirates are going to pull off the upset. Um, so this has been the conclusion to the second episode of The Right Hash. We will see you next time. Oh, what's he going to do? You want to get down? Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get out? Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get out?